Hey everyone, thanks for checking out this episode of Aurelius Podcast, episode 10. We have our guest this time around, Jeff Patton, who is a product management consultant and talks a lot about product discovery. And so our chat focused a lot on what product discovery is and how to do it. And my main takeaway here is that, you know, product discovery is really a lot of what I might consider user research. And so we definitely talked about that as well, and even things like the wrong way to do user research and how to avoid it. As far as product discovery is concerned, Jeff talked about his process and how we can use product discovery to make sure we're building the right products and features, that they solve real problems, you know, when product discovery starts and ends, and even the importance and dangers of a confidence level in a design or product idea you might have. If this is the kind of work that you're doing, I wanted to let you know that we've got something special for you in the new version of our platform, Aurelius. It's going to be the smartest user research and insights platform for design and product teams. We'll be launching that into beta very soon, so if you head to our homepage and sign up, you'll get product updates and be on the list for early beta access. Also, I just wanted to quickly mention, if you enjoy the podcast and think others would as well, it would really mean a lot to me if you could go to iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever it is that you listen to our show and give us a rating. It helps us out a lot, and it helps your fellow professionals find us. Okay, let's get to the show. Welcome to Aurelius Podcast, Episode 10. I am Zach Naylor, CEO and co-founder here at Aurelius. On today's episode, we have the very special privilege of having, in person no less, Jeff Patton, product consultant, speaker, and his business card says, Chief Troublemaker. Jeff, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, Zach. Good to, good to be here. And so this was kind of luck that we had this. Uh, we had planned on having Jeff on the show. Yeah. And through serendipity, you were in town just around the time that we were ready to actually reach out and start recording. And so we had the pleasure of having you in person. It's perfect. Yeah, I took an Uber down here. I learned that uh, there's free alcohol here, and that's uh, what's uh, caused me to want to attend. That is true. That that was been, uh, I suppose, an unspoken secret of the show for a while now. And everybody, yeah, now, everybody I, Do you want to edit that out? <laughs> oh, no, we're going to keep that in. We've kept in much worse. Uh, I can assure I'll you of come that. Come up with something worse to say. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and actually, on that note, Jeff was in town and he was talking uh, a lot about, as he does recently, uh, product discovery. And so I kind of want to jump in there, Jeff, and just say product discovery. What is that? You know, how do you define that? What is product discovery? Uh, where, yeah, like I don't tell short stories. Um, if you're in the product world, you, you do crap to make sure that you're building the right thing. Um, discovery is an old word and I kind of resisted, uh, using any particular word. Um, but there sort of needs to be a word. I follow behind and somebody that's a friend and somebody I've known for a long time is a guy named Marty Kagan. And Marty uses the word discovery, but it's a word that I've heard used even before meeting Marty. Um, but when I heard people using discovery, uh, sometimes they would mean the stuff we do to gather requirements or the stuff that we do to do design work mm -hmm. uh, and things like that. But um and actually, when I first heard Marty talking about discovery and I heard other people talking about discovery, I kind of heard it as all that stuff. It's 
taken me a long time and actually Marty's kind of beat it through my head. The discovery is the stuff we do to really validate that we're building the right thing. People in the design world and in the product world have a fabulous capability of convincing themselves that they are right uh, mm. using lots of uh, uh, heavy research and finding the people that to talk to that will convince them they're right and uh, or some sometimes avoiding all that stuff they can feel right enough without talking to anybody sure. anyway so anyway discovery gets called a lot of things how i define discovery is the work that we do to build up a strong hypothesis for what we're building and evaluate how risky it is and do deliberate work to validate we're building the right thing before we build it great that's a great. long answer huh well i you know what we'll take it so here's the thing <laughs> Um, we always beat this war drum, especially at Aurelius, building the right thing all the time. Yeah. But something you said in there, you know, product discovery is part of making sure that we're validating that we're building the right thing. Yeah. You actually made mention of, hey, we, we tend to want to do things to convince ourselves that we're right. And you actually mentioned using research to do that. So I'm curious, do you use research as part of discovery? Or, you know, when you mention that as research trying to convince ourselves, can you know, what do you mean by that? Uh, there's kind of two sides to uh, research was a, a word that scared me uh, in early <laughs> days of, uh, you know, I, I started with being deliberate about UX practice in the early 2000s. And uh, you know, people used to say research and, and, and talk about specific research methods. And I, I or, you know, it, it, well, they talked about it in a way that made it sound a little scary. And I got a little scared by that. So I went back to just talking to a lot of users like I always used to. Uh, it, it took me a long time before I learned that uh, that kind of counts as research too. You can be a little bit more rigorous about who you talk to and how you talk to them and how you re record what you're talking to. Sure. And I see a lot of people using the word research to mean, look, if we've got an idea, we'll validate the people, uh, that there are people out there that will buy the idea. We may do, um, research that will look at size of markets and uh, look at types of consumers and we'll use that research to predict that there are people that want our stuff mm -hmm. uh, over time what i what i mean by research is well there's that and there's actually putting your stuff in front of people and even going one step further actually not just putting stuff in front of people and asking them if they like it uh letting people use this stuff and actually get value out of it uh and actually see that it's useful um asking people to predict if they would like something kind of counts as research but it's not uh Research covers a lot of things. There's sure. lots and lots of kinds of research, uh, but uh, more and more I'm finding that the, there's lots of research that you can use to fool yourself and the closer you can get to actually letting people use something and use something in real life and confirm it works for them. That's the kind of research I'm going for. Yeah. Is that research? Zach, is that, uh, what do you mean? <sighs> Look, dude, you're the researcher. I, uh, you I, know am, research. I am a researcher. I'm and not I, here to draw the line you're in one the of sand the, for You're the one of the guys that scare me about, uh, oh, you man. know what it really means. Uh, uh, you know, so I think, uh, I think people would convince you that I know what it really <laughs> means. Um, no, I actually completely agree with that. As a matter of fact, I'm glad that I asked about that and, and I'm refreshed to hear the answer that you gave. Here's the reason why. And I'm going to tell a short story myself. So there is actually, I have a friend of mine who works at a very large, well-known consultancy. I'll leave the name out out of respect. What, is, what letter does it start with? I, will, no. I definitely <laughs> won't do that. I'm joking. Uh, 
so you know at the end of the day what these what these folks do is they is they make a statement right they make a very confident statement that here's the thing that should happen with the strategy or the product yeah. right and then what they do is they gather gather as much evidence as they can to support their point of view. Yeah, that yeah, that's what the research I'm talking and about. And that's yeah. what scares you. Yes, that's I'll what tell you, me. Jeff, that's what scares me. That's yeah. what scares me into people making lousy decisions, people making decisions that don't have any rationale, or worse, rationale that's misleading. Yeah. Um you can gather facts to support almost any opinion. And um uh, anyway, but yes, the the rationale that's misleading is that it's yeah. the handpick facts. Uh, so, so here's the interesting thing that I want to ask as a follow up to that. Um, there's a there's not alternative facts. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, we're actually really against those here at Aurelius. <laughs> alternative facts are uh, it starts. It's the the word starts with B and rhymes with old shit. <laughs> anyway. So here's the thing, right? You, what we're really talking about is secondary research yeah. in some way, right? Yeah. Reviewing white papers or taking a look at yes. market and stuff yeah, like that. Okay, good. Second, yeah, so yes. And that's okay, right? Like that has its oh, place. It's, it's useful, but I, I think it's not useful as evidence. It's useful as inspiration. It's, sure. Uh, uh, you know, if you're a, a product thinker or product designer, those kinds of things may help you. But I don't think it's uh, doesn't count as validation. Uh, so let's dig into that then. Validation, because uh, yeah. we talked about this, validating that we're – doing yeah. the right thing. actually that's a loaded term also it's a even validation isn't validation i don't know <laughs> fair enough yeah anyway well, actually let's let's get to more of the core of uh the point that we violently agree on we should we should validate or we should uh ensure we have confidence that we're doing the right yeah. things confidence is the word that i like okay uh, uh, yeah because it's a it's a it's a risk no matter how you do it um uh, we we talk. I, I gave a talk last night. If I walk into any startup accelerator, there are a lot of people that are confident that their product is going to be successful, and they're not right. So, uh, but uh, there's being confident is better than uh, I forget the word that you used. Validated. Uh, valid, we yeah, validated. validated sounds kind of black and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like a, a little bit of an element of uh, no matter how you put it, uh, things reality doesn't. You know, meet yeah. your evidence sometimes. Yeah. Well, so here's there's an interesting point, and a friend of yours actually made this comment. So we had Audrey Crane on an earlier episode, and one of the things that she said, uh, which I absolutely loved, she kind of called me out on it and said, "I don't think there is a right problem to solve. Mm-hmm. There are right problems to solve, and you choose yeah. which one you yes. uh, desire to chase after." And is I would actually put it another way, based on our conversation, that perhaps that's confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, it, there is, there's a lot of craft in what we do as sciencey as we try and make it. Uh, the, there's, look, we, we choose our facts. We choose, uh, the problems to pay attention to. We choose solutions to those problems. And there's always better problems. There's always better solutions. We'd have nothing to do if, uh, we could just solve, uh, if this was black and white, if there weren't better ways to do things, uh, if we couldn't keep inventing better ways to do things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking, I mean, where we started with all this is product discovery. Yeah. Yes. Product discovery yeah, should, should help us that. choose the right problems to solve. We uh, need that well, confidence. And- How does product discovery in a more tactical sense, give us that. What does that look like? What does that feel like? Oh boy, that's a big, that's a big question. Uh, well, the way you said it is you look at I'm, I'm, I'm here in Minneapolis because I'm, 
uh, working with a group and we do these long format five day immersive uh, discovery sorts of things mm-hmm. where we go through lots of rounds of discovery. They talk to lots of customers and users uh, all week long. And uh, I'll talk about it as us building up a, a two-sided hypothesis. Mm. Uh, there's a problem side and a solution side. So yes, part of it is choosing the right problem to solve and then, uh, and validating that it, it is indeed a problem. Uh, and I'll find people in the course of a week that we'll start out with a solution in mind. We'll ask them to back up and say, okay, great. Uh, if that's the solution, what, uh, you've heard the solution looking for a problem thing. Let's, uh, yeah. uh confirm that there, that, that, that there is in fact a problem you're solving. And we find people that find that there is no problem they're solving. And, the, um, anyway, there's a problem side that we're using discovery to, uh, to validate and a solution side. I lost track. What was that? You were asking, how does that work? Well, you you know, so we're saying product discovery should give us that confidence that we're going to make the right thing. That's right. And that's uh, what what you're using rounds of discovery for. Uh, If uh, discovery is a, uh, there's a bazillion activities, any activities are valid in terms of discovery. uh, And they're all confidence building activities, everything from interviewing people to putting prototypes in front of people to releasing things as uh, uh, small releases releases to small audience, everything you can do, uh, well, I was going to say everything short of building and shipping production quality software to everybody counts as discovery, but even that counts as discovery. Interesting. Of, uh, uh, if your intention is to learn, it's discovery. Um, but once you cross a certain threshold, you're confident that you're doing the right thing and mm-hmm. then... Well, you keep discovering whether you want to or not, but uh, I'll make a point to people that you release software to earn or learn or both. Uh, yeah. And uh, if you're going to, if your intention is to have a, is, is earn something or get profit or get benefit from something, uh, that's where you want the, the confidence. Uh, I see. Yeah. Would it be fair to say that product discovery is a process that takes many forms, but never truly ends in product no, management or product no. development. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Uh, products don't end. That's the that's the reason discovery doesn't end. Uh, the difference between a product and a project is that the projects have a nice a start and stop date. You can celebrate when a project ends. You can kind of call it successful, but the product is what you're left with when the project ends and products can when a project ends you can celebrate when a product ends uh you don't celebrate that's usually a bad sign if your product is ended right uh that's not good you want that product to live forever when a basically when a product ends you have a wake uh that's a different thing sure um and uh, but uh, products especially digital products we want to live forever because they're digital. We can keep upgrading them and changing them and improving them. Uh, they're, they're malleable. Mm. Uh, they behave a lot more like services. And yeah, especially the life of a digital product, uh, a technology product, it can be, you know, uh, we can keep changing it, improving it and pushing it up there. We can give it a, uh, you know, we can make it almost immortal. Uh, and that's a product manager's job and it takes, that's what the discovery thing is for. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. continuous. Awesome. Yeah. I completely agree. I ex- so I want to 
share a story because uh, we're kind of drawing this analogy of a product and uh, and a life, yeah. right? Like, yeah. <clears throat> and, a, and a friend of mine, I have no idea if he listens to the show, but a guy by the name of Nine, uh, he's a former adapt, adaptive path designer and ah, uh, at other okay. places, very sharp guy. And he used to he used to live here. And one of the conversations we had, he said, the analogy I often use with people is that building a product is like having a baby. And so for nine months, you you go to the visits, you read up about how to how to raise a human, you take the vitamins, you eat better, you probably exercise, all of these things to make sure that you're in optimal shape for the day. And then you have a baby. And then you have a baby. That's when the work actually starts, yeah, right? So right. to your point, the project is, is those nine months to... It's launch, hooray! But you have a baby to keep alive at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's not over. Uh, you can't celebrate the ending of that project and uh, uh, have a party and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, or is it the one of the things that I do? Uh, I'm a consultant. Uh, I, I didn't. I used to be a product manager at, at a, a, a company, and uh, for whatever reasons, I became a consultant. I focus on product companies, but more and more over the last year, especially, I get calls from uh, IT organizations asking me, uh, you know, for help uh, doing things. And I tell them, well, I, I work with product companies and uh, you're more of an IT centric organization. And the, this, the way I teach stuff, it just is not going to jive with your culture, the way that you guys do things. And they say, no, 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 we're calling you because we want to do, we want to engage in a product centric culture. Mm -hmm. And, uh, look, this is a long preamble to, there's a lot that needs to change in a culture to do that. I remember working with a bank, uh, in a big bank in, in, uh, in Australia and, the way that they work is they do projects, they release something, and uh, uh, and then they give it a, a short warranty period, like 30 days, and they release it to uh, the BAU group, mm -hmm. uh, short for business as usual. Uh, <laughs> and we started referring to that as the product orphanage. Uh, that's uh, – we spend nine months on a, uh, on a project. We, we release it. Uh, we make sure it's uh, – give it a little bit of care and then we dump it off in a place with lots of other uh products uh where one there's one person to every 10 to 20 products <laughs> sure. and, uh, and we let it uh you know no wonder so many products end up in jail end uh, up in jail <laughs> sure. <laughs> or, sure or should be anyway oh, but, and that's and that's obviously not a place we want to be and so if we're talking about yeah product discovery too we we would say that the cultural problem there too was that they they lost the appetite or desire for learning right they yeah. saw it as they saw it as the product was launched and let's celebrate and walk away i want to actually uh i want to take a step back and go go into another place that we were saying so we were talking about doing the right things yeah if i were to ask you what is an example of a decision you would make or a recommendation that is not doing the right thing. <laughs> what does that look like? We talked. What is not doing the right thing? Sure. So, right, we're doing product discovery to try to mitigate these risks, as you've actually referred to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so let's imagine, you know, we want to know what that looks like. Let's use the alternative and say, yeah, what does it not? What do we know like? what not look like? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a pretty good question. I have to think about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
it looks like what most people do. Um, uh, let's do a rigorous form of not doing discovery. Uh, the the rigorous not doing discovery, uh, you know, starts with uh, someone, uh, uh, usually a highly paid person, who comes <laughs> up with a fabulous idea, and uh, uh, turns it over to someone else, usually a designer. Uh, and the the designer not doing discovery uh, goes to their. Uh, the, their cubicle and uh, moves very quickly through to doing uh, user interface design and visual design mm-hmm. and, and crafts a beautiful, uh, beautiful Photoshop uh, documents that are uh, fabulous. Uh, they'll usually spend a few weeks arguing uh, back and <laughs> forth with lots of other people in the organization about color and style and sure, uh, sure. things like that. Uh, the, the organization will seek input from stakeholders and others in the organization who will critique it and uh, add functionality that was uh, that was missed. And um, uh, the organization will twist it around and get feedback from everybody uh, will finally come up with something that the organization loves uh, uh, sort of because it has a lot of trade-offs in it uh, uh, the designer will put his foot down and insist uh, on some specific things that are fabulous to, to make it super sexy and they will release it and the market will throw a WTF exception and uh, and say what the hell is this and mm-hmm. uh, we'll try and pretend none of it happened Um uh, is that an example of not discovery? I can't imagine uh, anybody listening to this show has ever had that happen to them, <laughs> Jeff. Okay, I so think, uh, yeah, that's happened all the time. Sure, uh, uh, for, for better or worse, God, I'm going to say controversial things. It starts to be an agency style process a lot. Uh, look, if if you work for an agency and uh, and a client brings you a project, you learn pretty quickly that it isn't the customers or users that you're making happy well first off when we say customer we mean the guy that hired us the agency and it is our job to make that person happy the guy who pays the invoice yeah the guy who pays the invoice right. and we start to get good at the pitch we start uh, to get good at uh, selling our design and uh, uh, we start to get if we do we need to sell our design with research we start to get good at handpicking research that we're selling the design and uh, anyway yada 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 there you seems like a lot yeah. of psych- Psychological biases that are, uh, if biases is the correct plural form of that, I have no idea. <laughs> I think it's a it's a great plural. I'm not a linguist. I'm gonna st- I'm, uh, I'm putting the stake in the ground. It's it's biases. Yeah. Anyway, or that are bison or bison. No, that's that's true. There are there are likely bison in agencies as well. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that's a great point. And and even going back to your story of okay, so what does bad product discovery look like? I hear a good handful of points of failure. Yeah. So point number one that I heard you say is. Someone inside your organization had an idea. Well, and of course, all ideas spring from insight uh, uh, from somewhere, which could have come from out, uh, outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, uh, another point of failure is uh, someone inside your organization brings in an idea that uh, our, our most uh, – uh, our biggest customer has asked for uh, uh, idea. That's another great source of bad ideas. Yes. Anyway. Yes. Well, so anyway, I think I think the salient point to that is the idea sprung up without any supporting insight from outside of your building about yeah. what customers need. 
and supporting any kind of behavior they have. Insight's a good word. Um, the What's interesting is people often mistake people asking for things for insight. Uh, uh, certainly people will ask for things and uh, people the executive who comes up with a great idea recognizes a problem, comes up with a great idea and imagines a, a perfect universe. The, the customer or user who comes up with a great idea thinks of something and imagines a perfect universe. And we get to work building the thing they thought of, but the, the insight, uh, insight's a good word. Usually for me, insight isn't about a thing. It's about a problem to solve. And mm-hmm. now we're coming back full circle to the finding the right problems thing. Yes. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of right problems. I'll agree with Audrey on that. But uh, the insight is, uh, insights have to be a little stronger, a little more powerful. And they're more about problems to solve than uh, uh, things. Great, great. Next question I'm going to have to ask you then, how do we get to those insights? And we can't say product discovery because we already know that that's true. Product discovery is such a vague term. I've been talking about product discovery without saying anything specific tactic-wise about what goes in it. For someone listening to this podcast, they're going to say, what the hell is he talking about? So before we lose that person who's going to close our podcast episode, but I'll just ask you flat out, if somebody were to ask you to write a a clickbaity blog post article headline that says the Four steps or the four elements of product strategy. It always has to have a number in it. Yeah, of course. Of course. There has to be four. And an exclamation yeah, point. Three to nine is usually okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no even numbers. Right. No, yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. What would those be? Uh, go, 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 we're changing the, 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 what are the four steps to, or it end, doesn't have to what be are the four. end steps to do product discovery? Yes. My, for, uh, ironically, I have four steps that I, uh, well, actually, they're not four steps. I have, mm. uh, uh, the big step is first be clear about what your hypothesis is. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, be clear about uh, what, uh, what problem you're solving and for who, what your solution is, and what you believe is true or what you believe they will do uh, mm-hmm. with that product when they get it. Think it through. Uh, if they, uh, what will happen after things come out? If you can tell a clean story about that, uh, then we can move on. And I'll call that whole thing framing. I'll use the, keep that short and simple and crisp. Just pull what's out of your head, uh, and, and frame it. If it fails, uh, in framing, then, uh, push it aside, mm-hmm. uh, 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 do something else. Then, uh, my next step is to build a deeper problem hypothesis. You know, tools for that are things like uh, simple proto personas or uh, journey maps or, uh, uh, then build a this next step for me is building a simple solution hypothesis. Mm-hmm. That's anything from a sketch to a prototype to, uh, a, uh, other models that explain it and for me a last step is to look back at that framing look back at that problem look back at that solution and say okay great uh, i've got a fabulous pro i've got a good idea of the problem good idea of the solution what is the very least that i think could be a product mm-hmm. uh the smallest uh, n- nugget of the problem to solve the smallest nugget of the solution to deliver mm-hmm. and then look back at that and then my next step from there is to well ask yourself how this, this is the confidence question we talked about mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, what would you bet that you're right? Would you bet me lunch you're right? Uh, this is gonna that, that 
that your hypothesis is going to work yeah. out. Would you bet me? Uh, would you bet me lunch? You're right. Would you uh, bet me a day's pay? You're right. Would you bet me your next vacation? You're right. Would you bet me your car? Yeah, you're right. Would Would you bet me your house? That you're right. Um, and uh, look, if your bets. Uh, Actually, that's maybe a wrong question. Uh, The problem is most entrepreneurs would bet their house. In fact, do bet their houses. They're right. (laughs) So uh, I've got to rethink how I describe that. That's not working out. Uh, Then, uh, look, if you're not confident, you're right. Build up a list of what scares you, um, uh, assumptions that scare you, risks that scare you, questions you haven't answered, and then get to work going through uh, some simple validated learning cycle. What's your pick off a list? What's your biggest uh, fear? What's the least you could do to test it? Uh, um, and then test it. And then use what you learn from that test to rebuild your hypothesis. Yeah. So that's for, yeah, how many steps is that? Uh, it's a frame it, understand the problem, understand the solution, minimize it to what you think a good product is, assess your risks, and then build, measure, learn your way through that. I lost count. That may be eight or nine. But yeah. It's under 10. Uh, that's it. 11, 12, 13. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, something like that. I uh, think it was a great and then, answer. And then when you're confident, move forward. So that's, that's the thumbnail of discovery. If, if, Yes. And that's how I summarize yes. it for me. Awesome. So this is actually a good place to point out that we are working on Aurelius version 2, which is going to be the smartest user research and insights platform for design and product teams. You can actually go to our website, www.aureliuslab.com, and sign up for updates on our progress and get on the wait list for beta access to check it out whenever we release that. But let's get back to the episode. So... To bring it back to you, is it fair to say, have an understanding of what you're trying to do, have an understanding of your customers and, and, and what you're trying to solve for them, make good decisions that are in support of both. Yeah. And then understand, have a metric or have, uh, some indicators of whether or not those were good decisions. Measurement. Let's uh, let's bookmark measurement. I should let you finish that. But I want to actually want to go one more place. Okay, we'll go. Yeah, good. The measurement tell is me a if I'm crazy thing during discovery. Uh, tell uh, me if I'm crazy on what I just said. Does that f- fairly summarize what that does? Okay. Uh, so one of the things I'll ask people to do is uh, to say uh, how they'd measure success. Yes, uh, a part of building a hypothesis, a strong hypothesis, is being clear on. Look. If we build this, this is what we expect to change in the world, and this yep. is how we will measure it. Yep. Um, but those measurements are, you know, outcomes. They're what happens when you ship. I actually they believe aren't the two measurements parts. you use during discovery. Yes, uh, got it. Yes, okay. I actually we're, believe there's two parts yeah. to an effective measurement. Yeah. But the one thing that I want to you say measurement or metric. I've gone rounds with people that. on this. Is actually uh, is it a measure? Or, uh, people have told me measure is a verb and metric is the thing. The interesting thing you know, is, I actually it. refer to it as both because I think it is a okay. two pronged approach. Yeah. But the one thing that you dove into that you know I actually haven't heard before that I think is a brilliant. How can I say I method. said something you haven't heard before? Yeah, you said right. Okay, now if we're going to co-sign with that summary, have an understanding of what you're trying to do goals. Yeah. Yeah. Have an understanding of your, your customers and what they are trying to achieve. Yeah. Research insights. Yeah. Insights of your customers. Make a decision that support those things. We can do all of that. We can be, uh, as you mentioned, relatively scientific about that. 
we built the rest. Science is sure. the best you can Science do. Science is a better <laughs> way. <laughs> yes. But when we get to that point of decision, the thing that I took from what you just shared was the confidence then in that decision. Yeah. And that, I believe, actually separates the science to the scientific in a way. Because mm. we, like you said, are you confident enough to bet me lunch? Yeah. Are you confident enough to bet me a week's pay? Are you confident enough to bet me your house? And you know, um, to your point, it could be dependent on the person. They may just be generally yeah, I'm, I'm backing away from that metaphor uh, or that uh, usage of that because, uh, again, uh, foolish people uh, can be confident with very little evidence. Uh, mm. We all have anecdotal evidence of that <laughs> so anyway confidence may be the wrong quite true yeah uh, you have to be uh, yeah i don't know but let's, i guess let's the, think of something different but anyway yeah, yeah but at the end I, of the day I, the yeah, underpinnings of that i think are so resounding just to say would are you willing to bet what degree of something that is important to you yes even the most foolish people have things that are important to them right, yes, that's so right. i guess the point is is to say is it level one or two or three or four because if it's level one that decision sucks yeah. And we shouldn't do that, yeah. despite your evidence. Or, well, this is where, uh, if your confidence isn't high, this is where the discovery thing comes in. Look, if you're a product manager at a product company, you know that you get asked to build a lot of shit that mm-hmm. your confidence isn't high. Mm-hmm. It won't work. This is one of the arts. Mm-hmm. Of, of you were We were using the, the, the baby metaphor before. Product managers are asked to adopt other people's babies always. Uh, (laughs) We get tossed babies from everywhere. uh, And we have to learn to fall in love with them. It's a lot like a daycare, actually. uh, It it is. uh, And uh, and so... Look, if we get tossed someone's baby and we're not confident that baby is going to grow up to be a scientist uh, <laughs> um, or our confidence is kind of low, uh, it doesn't mean we say, ah, let's give up on that thing. Yeah. It means, okay, well, why isn't our confidence low? So when I talk about building lists of questions, assumptions, risks, uh, I say, well, what's the thing that, what's the thing that makes me unconfident in that, uh, 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 in that particular baby? And uh, then let's ta- that's where the discovery work comes in. That's yeah. where we actually start looking to say, okay, am I right or wrong about that? Uh, is my assumption wrong? Is the risk or the thing that worries me uh, not really a risk? Uh-huh. Is the question or hole in the information I have not really there? That's where the work comes in. That's the discovery work. I and see. Anyway, I does see. that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, the, so low confidence doesn't mean don't do it. Uh, it means it, lack of information. It means that yes. And, and a lack of information or a lack of insight yeah. leads to a lack of confidence. That's right. And uh, that that's rots product development. Yeah. And that, say that again? It that, rots product development. It rots, From yes. the very core. Well, you, what's interesting is what rots product development sometimes is overconfidence with little information. That's uh, the scary part. <laughs> that um, is very true. Um, it's the... People that are wildly confident with nearly no insight or no information or no 
past experience. Those, those are the things that uh, I can say this with extreme confidence because I'm guilty of 20 years of it uh, or uh, <laughs> because I've uh, done stupid shit for the first uh, <laughs> uh, 10 years of my product yeah. career. Yeah. I've been wildly <clears throat> confident things were going to be successful uh, um, uh, uh, many times. Uh, it's taken me a lot of stumbling before I realized that's stupid to be so confident <laughs> without any kind of evidence. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting thing, too, because we were talking about uh, agencies and kind of consultancies at the start of this in some way. <sighs> and we, yes, we took a jab at their process. You know what? And I'll even fall on the sword. I'll say, I'll take a, I'll it's a jab at their It's their process. job to sell confidence. <clears throat> I mean, uh, bingo. But here's yeah. the thing here's what I've told people when you present a problem, regardless of how well that problem is defined. When, when you present somebody a problem, anybody who immediately answers to you that they have the solution to your problem, <laughs> you should run as far and fast away from as possible. Or hang with them and see what happens. That can, uh, so, that can be so an expensive long, comedy yeah, show. <laughs> so long as you're not the one that has to suffer with them. But <laughs> sure. if, if, if you work for the same company they do that could be a problem yeah no exactly <laughs> anyway. right and so yeah, yeah. yeah yes yeah uh, yeah sometimes it's nice to uh oh maybe it's the alcohol talking but uh, uh sometimes you can see a train wreck coming mm -hmm. uh and you know you stay on the train <laughs> to see what happens <laughs> so, what is that uh, yeah. what are the signs of a train wreck coming i mean yeah. i want to hear that like you've been around you've seen this right it's something that comes with getting old. Zach, you're not that old. How old are you? Is, is this too personal for a podcast? I, no, well, please. <laughs> how old do you think I am? I like to ask this when uh, somebody asks me how old I am. Uh, I won't be offended. Yeah, there's, there's very little to offend me. Yeah, you're probably 57. No, I'm that's, joking. That's usually the answer I get. And I was, in, I in my trying, heart, I'm actually 57. I was trying to offend you, but, uh, but uh, no, I would guess uh, uh, probably early 30s. That's correct. Okay. That is correct. Yeah. Actually, you know what we ought to do when we post this episode? Anybody who listens to it <laughs> and guesses my appropriate age, <laughs> we will give a discount to Aurelius, too. That's Look, what we'll do. I've been to a lot of carnivals, and if I guess your age, I usually get a stuffed animal. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to say we're not actually in the business of building stuffed animals. That, as it turns out, Jeff, does not solve our customers' problems. So we've done relatively effective product discovery in that regard. What if I regard. guess your weight, Zach? <laughs> Um, that <laughs> one is actually even harder. Okay. <laughs> anyway, all right, we, but we digressed a couple stages of tangent. Yeah. What were we talking about? <laughs> so you said, you know, you said sometimes you stay on the train, even though yeah. you know a train wreck's coming. And my question simply oh. was, what are the signs that a train wreck is coming? Because a lot of us don't okay. want to stay but, on that yeah, train. I was going to say the, the truth is, if it's my own company, I don't stay on the train. Uh, mm. As a consultant, I allow uh, short train small train wrecks to occur often because that's the only way to uh, let a <laughs> let people understand yeah. that, that uh you know anyway you can't you can't warn somebody about the warning signs when they're confident there's that confidence warning again if they're confident and you tell them about reasons they shouldn't be uh they won't trust you so you have to let let that occur so long as it's not going to 
kill them or hurt them. That's mm. not a bad thing. Uh, but what are the signs? Oh, I don't know. Is it, we're probably going back to the, uh, the other stuff they're doing. Uh, yeah, the, the signs are always, in fact, maybe the biggest sign is overconfidence, <laughs> uh, oddly. Yeah, I'm actually losing faith in that word confidence. I'm, I'm, I'm unconfident in my use of the word confidence. <laughs> um, Which is perhaps a sign that you know exactly what the hell you're doing. <laughs> you're, 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 I'm not confident in that yeah. statement, Zach. Um, um, this is like the movie Inception at this point. <laughs> this is a dream within a dream experience here. But uh, no, overconfidence is certainly one. Um overconfidence is one of the most blinding things you can run into. Mm. Um, uh, You've got to be able to uh, black hat your own stuff. Uh, You've got to be able to uh, look at things. And there's a, boy, there is a nasty amount of split personality disorder necessary to survive in a product world. Um, Oh, this came up in another uh, kind of a presentation. Well, who is it? The the the, the uh, six thinking hats person. Uh, I know you're know. referring to. I Damn can't remember the name. It, it's on the tip of my tongue. The different colored hats. Yeah, yeah exactly. I know you're talking about. So uh, okay, it's, I'm going to remember it in just a minute. So we have to really shift a lot between yellow hat thinking and black hat thinking. We have and just for sh- those unfamiliar, yellow hat thinking as opposed to black hat thinking is is yellow hat thinking is uh, optimistic. Uh, how awesome would this be? How great is this? And black hat thinking is pessimistic thinking what could go horribly wrong Mm. with this and we kind of have to swing back and forth between this to champion an idea you have to have yellow hat thinking and this is where the child metaphor comes in uh pretty good here too look you have to have absolute faith in your child that they can uh, go on to succeed and similarly similarly with your product but if that's all you have that starts to be a problem we started on this well you know what are the signs of the trade yeah. uh, train wreck and uh it's um, leadership that uh, only displays yellow hat thinking, uh, that, that isn't able to black hat or isn't uh, actually some of the best leaders maybe may, might not be good at black hats, uh, black hatting, but will include black hats on their teams uh, be, because they know they need the balance. Yeah. Uh, so it has to be in there. Um, if there is uh, other signs of a train wreck are well, is is evidence is the things that we've been talking about before is is nothing uh, and evidence doesn't have to be look, it can be anecdotal. It can be a little bit uh, if you can just clearly say, I believe this is uh, 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 this is going to succeed for these reasons. Uh, OK, that's that's something be- better evidence would be actually seeing somebody use your product and mm-hmm. and and want it and like it and tell other people. But, uh, the, the, yeah, we started on this thing with signs of a train wreck. Um, trying to think there are bazillion little processy things. I would expect people to do some work to validate. I would expect people to uh, be able to tell strong stories about the problems they're solving and who they're for and uh, things Mm. like that. Um, Oh, I don't want to pick on people, but let's uh, pick on them. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to characterize this. Just working with a team today, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they're describing uh, 
uh, the characteristics their product needs to have, things it needs to do. And they're describing it from their perspective. Uh, they're, they're describing qualities of their product. And I'll ask, well, who wants that? And why do they want that? And um, and they can't tell a good story. They, uh, you start to realize uh, that they're not thinking about the person who's using this product. Um, if I see easy to use and intuitive on a list one more effing time, I'm going to shoot myself. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, my usual answer for that is uh, great. Uh, your users want something <clears throat> that's easy to use and intuitive. Mm -hmm. uh, that's in contrast to those users who want it to be hard to use and painful yeah, or exactly. uh, We're not meeting their non obvious uh, uh, specs like easy to use and intuitive are surefire signs. We're not thinking about who's using this product and why starts with B rhymes with old shit. <laughs> That's right? correct. And actually, uh, yeah, I want so to take that I've named a couple, but uh, it's a bad answer for that. Yeah. Question. No, no. I think yeah, it's a great answer it. to it. Um, and maybe because I'm biased, but the way I yeah, typically biased, describe yes. it, I am biased. <laughs> uh, but when we say easy to use, here's the interesting thing. And, and how I usually work with people to do this is if you started with those very clearly defined goals, what is it we're trying to do? Hmm. You can say, make it easy to use. I'm actually completely fine with that statement. Really? Until I... Yes, because I call them. I the want to hit people with a baseball bat when I hear that statement. But <clears throat> oh, I never have no, yet. No, no, no make but no I'm mistake. Getting I older, keep. I might. <laughs> I keep the samurai sword on the table. I just don't unsheath <laughs> it yet. So you say uh, one of our goals is to do X, right? Like yeah. uh, uh, make the article sharing functionality as accessible as possible. What should that help you do? Uh, make it easier to use. Great. How will you know yeah. it's easier to use? And so that's when we get. Right, we just dig into that layer deeper of saying, what does easier to use? What will that? How will that manifest? What behavior will you see? That. What sort of things? Well, exactly. Fair enough. Uh, you got to get to a point where you can talk about what it would look like and how to observe it. Um, uh, so the bullshit story that I usually tell is to say, easy to use like an ATM or easy to use like an F sixteen uh, cockpit, because for an F sixteen pilot, the F sixteen cockpit controls were a lot easier to use than the F-15 cockpit controls. Sure. Um, easy to use is relevant uh, relative to the person who's using it and what they're trying to accomplish. Yes. Uh, easy to use for your grandma is not easy to use for someone else that's not your grandma. For, for, <laughs> for Iceman and Maverick. <laughs> yes. No, so the thing exactly. is, we are, we are actually completely agreeing. Yeah, yeah I, absolutely. Yeah. It's just, uh, I want to, um, so so I agree with your, exactly what you're saying. Mm. And my, my shorthand is to say, uh, easy like what? I don't want to hear you say easy. I want to hear you give me a metaphor for easy. In the context of your product, easy like what? Uh, give me an example of what easy yeah. is. Easy isn't useful. Fast isn't useful. Anything, any characteristic of a product that you can evaluate, that you can uh, self-substitute for, isn't useful. Whenever you introduce a subjective term, sure. uh, 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 you 
ask, uh, like, if I uh, if I say that tastes good, uh, you start to think about what tastes good to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, mm-hmm. I, uh, if that's hot, that's cold, uh, that's easy, that's hard, that's painful. It's uh, those are all self-referential terms, and yeah. if you use those kinds of self-referential uh, adjectives to describe your product, well. It's a signal that you're not horribly aware of someone else. And Uh, I would boil all that down into the old UX axiom, you are not your user. Yeah. I think that's oversimplified, but in reality, I mean, it it describes that very well, right? In the spirit of being contradictory to everything, sometimes you are. And I actually don't disagree with that either, which is why I say that <laughs> okay, old good. UX axiom, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I think there are a lot of these hokey, but usually, shitty it's usually things that we like right. to say. Like all axioms, they only have to be true a lot of the time or sound Not even a lot of the time, right? Or like, be alliterative. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. True. Yeah. I mean, so, okay. And, and this is interesting too, because it's weaving together a lot of things that we've talked about. So we talked about... Hey, listen, have a very It'd clear be understanding. It would super cool if any of the crap we talked about came together nicely. <laughs> I'm going anyway. to take my best effort to do that. <laughs> we talked a lot about, hey, uh, good product discovery and doing this stuff is having a very good understanding of what we're trying to do. Yeah. And, a, and a good definition of that that goes beyond simple statements. Right? Then we talked about having a really good understanding of the people we're doing this for. Yes. Right? And then... Uh, And then really effective product discovery. We can have confidence if we can make a decision that clearly illustrates evidence in both of those things, that it's helping us achieve something that we very clearly defined and it's supported by something we understand from the people we're trying to do that for. And at the end of the day, that's a strong product strategy, yes? Yeah, Yeah, fair enough. Uh, That's a way of working. Um, and the, uh, more and more, I run into people that I met, you know, ten years ago. First, I hate running into people I met ten years ago because that means <laughs> I'm ten years older. And secondly, I run into people ten years ago that I met when they were just starting out, and now they're very successful at what they're doing. And especially people that are very successful in a product world. And one of the questions I'll always ask them is, you know, we'll have a long conversation about a lot of different things, but I'll uh, and I want to hear how they're doing and what they're doing. But I'll always ask them, if you had to give one piece of advice to someone who is a product manager or going into the product world about how to be successful at this, what would it be? Mm -hmm. And almost always, and by almost always, I mean more than half the time, they will say, spend more time with the people who use your products. Yep. I'm not talking about data. I'm talking about empathy. I'm talking about uh, understanding. I'm talking about walking in their shoes by actually walking in their shoes, being there with them while they do things. And uh, understanding the people. There's no shortcut around understanding the people that use your product. There is no tidy data or bar chart, pie chart, or uh, uh a heat map that will explain your customers to you it's the it's the one-on-one contact uh, so set aside any of the crap that i've said about discovery or pro or anything we've talked about process mm-hmm. uh, if there's one thing that you have to do it's that uh, uh, it's understand the people you're building for and even saying that i know people that have been wildly successful that don't uh so uh, and in that point i will actually jump in and share a quote (laughs) that 
I heard, I believe it was actually from Jared Spool, but you know what he said? <laughs> People are often very successful in spite of themselves. Yes. And so oh, there's it. a lot of different ways you can say that, but I, I want to get back to the more important point. There's uh, a more important point? Yes. <laughs> that, that everything that you just said, that there is no shortcut to the hard work. If you want to build a great product, if you want to have a great product strategy, you have to do the hard work of actually learning from the people you're trying to serve. And let me put an asterisk by that and then uh, and say, unless you're lucky. Unless you're lucky and in, yeah. and you're successful in spite of yourself, in which case I'll put an ask, two asterisks <laughs> and say that luck will run out, at which point oh, you, need to, Absolutely you need to out. adopt runs out. I agree that culture that. and hunger of learning. Yeah. Jeff Patton. <laughs> This was an amazing conversation with you. We have covered a great number of topics about mostly focused on product discovery, talking about doing the right things, right? And the ways that we get there. And in summary, as most episodes are, for those of you who listen to our show regularly, have a very good understanding of what we're trying to do as a company, as a business, as a product. Learn from our customers, our users, yes. people, and then make decisions based off of that. If you do that, I will go on record and say that you are at least halfway likely to be successful. 46.5%. I'm going to go 57. <laughs> Jeff Patton, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything that you would like to share with people listening to the show about uh, the work that you're doing Everybody should go out and buy my book. Mm. Uh, I have a 15-year-old daughter I need to put through college. That's important. Um, it is important. <laughs> also, uh, and a 13-year-old daughter, but uh, she doesn't want to go to college. We'll, we'll change her mind on that. I teach classes. You should go to my website. I teach classes on product ownership. And as long as they will let me, I teach Scrum Alliance certified classes. And I don't teach any Scrum. I teach what we've been talking about. Mm. I've focus on product ownership and I teach product management. Um, um, I'm known for story mapping. We didn't say that term even once here and I'm pleasantly refreshed by that. Uh, but it's a halfway decent book. Uh, so you should buy that and review it if you've already got it uh, and uh, check my website and look for a class. I'd love to love to meet you in person. Awesome. Okay. So Jeff Patton, name of the book is Story Mapping. Uh, yeah, user story mapping, O'Reilly. User uh, story mapping by O'Reilly. We'll have a link to that title. <laughs> in the show notes. Go check out Jeff Patton if you guys are trying to do this type of work. Obviously, talk with him. He can help you coaching your teams. Jeff Patton, thank you so much for joining the show. It's been a, it's been a great pleasure. Pleasure to be here. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving us a rating on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to our podcast. And also, you can fill out our podcast survey where you can let us know if someone awesome that we should have on the show and even tell us about the things you would want to hear about, topics that are interesting for you. You can check that out in the show notes or on our website. Thanks for listening to Aurelius Podcast, talking about product strategy and design strategy. We are the first platform of its kind to help you solve the right problems for your customers and your business and build products and services that truly matter. You can check us out at AureliusLab.com. That is www.aureliusl 
lab.com. You can check us out on Twitter at Aurelius Lab and Instagram Aurelius Lab. We'll see you next time.